Welcome to the Answers on Aging podcast. This podcast provides solutions to your questions and commonly faced challenges about caregiving, legal and financial issues, personal struggles associated with the normal aspects of aging, and the unforeseen obstacles that oftentimes can be life-altering and even devastating. Each episode dissects real-life, real-time issues and will often feature special guests who bring expert-level knowledge and free resources straight to you. This podcast is hosted by certified elder law attorney Todd Watley and licensed nursing home administrator Sarah Scott. Together, these aging experts bring an impressive combined 30-plus years of experience to the table in order to give you all the answers on aging. That is correct. We do our best to bring answers on aging, and we try to address, there's just there are so many topics out there, mm-hmm. and, and so we are doing our best. And when I say we, I am Todd Whatley. Hey, I'm Sarah Scott. Welcome to the Answers on Aging podcast, where we truly give you all the answers to all the questions. This is already episode 10, mm-hmm. and this, surprise, surprise, is another twofer. <laughs> Who doesn't love a good twofer? So um, part one of episode 10 is going to have a guest. We have a really special guest I will introduce to you in just a moment. But the answer that we're going to give you today is to the question, what should I know about hospice care? And this is going to be a firsthand personal perspective. So part two will be a firsthand medical perspective. And so our guest today is coming to you from Northwest Arkansas, y'all, Maxie Carpenter. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you and Todd both very much. Delighted to be here with you. Yeah, we are so excited to have you. And Maxie and I could literally talk for hours, (laughs) days. days. We want to be super respectful of your time. But Maxie, if you could just let the listeners know um, your professional background and what you're up to right now well i was uh, i was with uh uh walmart for just just under 30 years uh leaving there vice president of hr and talent development for walmart us mm-hmm. and and any executive leaving the corporate environment will tell you that you automatically start getting a lot of requests uh-huh. for for service and one of the very first individuals that came to me was uh, an individual that was heavily involved with a Circle of Life Hospice. Yes. And, uh, of course, that's one of many uh, undertakings that I've been involved with since leaving uh, that that uh, first career, so to speak. I've mm-hmm. had two or three others since then, as you know. Sure. But, but uh this individual asked me if I would serve on the board of hospice. Probably in the beginning, the main thing that really compelled me to join this, this volunteer effort with hospice was that I wish something like that had been around when my dad passed. Right. And he passed in 96 after a really long battle with lung cancer. 
And that last year was just horrific. And, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that's what really compelled me to get involved with hospice and, uh, and obviously changed my perspective about a lot of things having to do with elder care for sure. Sure. And then later in life, you were actually on the family member side of a loved one receiving hospice services, correct? You you bet. Absolutely. In fact, three years ago, and my sister, one of my five sisters, uh, was admitted to hospice at Circle. And after a really long struggle with diabetes. And so, uh, so having that personal experience, being there for the last week of her life was, and watching the culture of that particular hospice environment respond in a way that, that you don't hear too many other stories about from other people's hospice experience. And, and it was just, it was it exceeded my expectations and obviously i was biased i'm a little biased mm-hmm. having helped you know put it together but uh, yeah that personal experience and then since then uh sarah having i still go over to hospice they always let me know when someone i know is admitted and i still make visits in there often to mm-hmm. visit with people that i know yeah. and the culture there has not changed it hasn't changed. So talk about, you You mentioned once she got in there and just what they did. Talk about briefly how hospice care, how the medical care changes once a person goes into hospice. What what sort of things do they focus on? What what changes? Well, Todd, I will, I will tell you, I've just had a recent experience just yesterday with my mother. Uh, my mother turned 90 February the 5th. Congratulations. And uh, she's just tougher than a dead gum boot nail. And, <laughs> and just and, as stubborn, I understand. Oh, my, like you would not believe. <laughs> and so we were at the ER uh, all day yesterday. And so, uh, and, you know, I've, I've been at the ER several times, uh, not only with family members, but with friends. And Todd, your question about the differences in the culture, there were three things that hit me again yesterday that are totally different in the hospice environment. And, and granted, that's an ER, an emergency room environment, <clears throat> and a lot of what you see depends on um, the, the number of folks that are in there at a given point in time. But there were three things that really stood out to me that's the difference. Number one, the ER environment is, uh, depending on what's going on, is just not a very efficient environment, especially when there's a lot of traffic. Because the second thing that really manifests itself uh, beyond that lack of efficiency is the lack of patient awareness. Sure. Yeah. Because when you're in a room with someone that's 90 years old and you're there for five and a half hours and you only get three people that poke their head in the door to see how you're doing. It's, it's that level of patient awareness just simply is not there. Right. And then the third thing that really hit me, uh, that's the difference is the lack of quote unquote empathetic awareness and, and, Absolutely. What I mean by that is when you have staff 
that's interacting in ways that aren't acknowledging the kind of environment you're in, meaning yeah. that there are people in those rooms that are hurting. Mm -hmm. There are people in those rooms, I mean, people are coming and going and there are people in those rooms that are really, really in pain. And the last thing they need to hear is staff out in the hallways laughing and hobnobbing oh, yeah. and, and just having a large, you know, live in La Vida Loca out there. <laughs> And yeah. and those are Todd. Those are the three differences because, and again, I'm speaking uh, obviously from my personal experiences. But those three things don't exist in the hospice environment. I guess my my primary takeaway: the one thing we were looking for when we put all of that environment together, and keep in mind. Sarah, we wanted to talk nationally. I benchmark a lot of organizations nationally, mm -hmm. personally, mm -hmm. and I visited every facility in Northwest Arkansas, again, because of personal experience when my father-in-law came up here to spend his last days mm -hmm. with us. And I visited every single facility. And the primary takeaway is, is really wanting people to understand that just because you're going into hospice, it doesn't mean every time, it doesn't mean it's always the end. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the mindset that requires of everyone in that hospice environment that's staffed, that's serving to, to speak in language, speak from a mindset that doesn't uh, motivate people to think, okay, this is it. We're in hospice and it's over. And because, you know, personally, I've seen miracles. Sure. <laughs> I, sure. I've seen people get up and walk out of there and live a little bit longer because of the presence of those three things I just talked about, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, is, which is efficiency, patient awareness, and and empathetic awareness, but not just for the patient, but for the family. Sure, sure. Just really serving the whole family. Well, and, and, and it's, those it, are the big differences. Those are huge differences. And it's also a shift in your goal for the result of, of the care that you're that you're receiving to be it is. focused around quality of life rather than quantity. And it's not about we got to keep them alive, keep them alive, keep them alive. It's we've got to keep them comfortable. We've got to be there for them and support them. And that level of empathy with amongst any hospice agency, I think, is just hands down way better than any other medical setting that you're going to find. And, and there's a reason for that because you're at the end of life. People know exactly why you're there. And yeah, you can quote unquote graduate from hospice services. It's it's definitely the exception and not the rule, but of course it of happens. Course. And so um yeah, I think those are some great points to to really highlight about the differences. Um, what do you think in with your personal experiences in in working with a hospice agency and then on the professional side too, do you ever hear people say, I wish we would have done this sooner? <laughs> well, 
Well, I will, I will tell you this. I think because of the, the, how shall I say, the majority perspective on hospice is that, you know, if they have to go there, it's done. We're done. Yeah, we're given Okay. Mm-hmm. And what I have seen happen over and over is families resisting putting their member, their family members into hospice because of that mindset. Mm-hmm. When, quite honestly, the longer you're in hospice, <clears throat> excuse me, if you are at end of life, as the doctor has indicated or implied, the longer you're in hospice, quite frankly, the better your chances are that you're going to be with your family a little bit longer than you might have thought. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that is huge. That well, is, it is. And, you know, you putting your family member, taking them in and out of the emergency room and yep. running all these tests, that does a number. No matter how old you are, that you is going to wear you out. It's going to expose you to potential other viruses and and germs that, you, you know yep. when you're when you know the path you've made the decision to take hospice services either in your home or into a hospice house there's no question about you know we're not going to be going back to the hospital we're not going to be shuffling you back and forth to appointments and getting diagnostic yep. tests and there you go we are keeping you comfortable and so I just want to kind of reiterate the importance of understanding. It's not giving up and saying we're ready no. for you to die. It's just a yep. different it's shift a, in focus. Yeah, it's with my mom. Um, she was in pain, and when yeah. when I'm in pain, I'm cranky. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk. I don't want to. You know, That's it's right. just like oh my goodness. And outside of hospice physicians can only give so much pain meds they are very restricted and you know particularly nowadays with you know Absolutely. drug abuse and things they can only give so much their license can only do that but a hospice doctor mm-hmm. they can give much more pain meds and and so when my mom was getting the pain meds that she needed she was in a better mood she was able to converse and it 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 just made a a world of difference just controlling the pain is one thing but it's it's a whole mindset if you're on some drugs that is keeping you alive but it's causing you to be sedated or you know just not in your right mind taking you off of those so that you can think clearly and so many times closure is important for for families this is a time for them to come in let's let's get mom or dad at their best even though it may shorten their life let's get them at their best so they can have a few good days with their family they can talk and laugh and sing and Mm -hmm. pray and do do everything that they want to do and create some real memories and see you're getting chilled this gives me chill bumps even talking about it is create sure. some some lifelong memories rather than being in that hospital and sedated and mm-hmm. you know staying alive but just not having any quantity of life and that's that's the thing with hospice i think most people don't understand yeah oh todd i i there's no way i can reinforce that even anymore mm-hmm. and you know, again, I was thinking about it yesterday as we were up there in the ER with mom. I was thinking, you know, 
I was thinking about all of the conversations that I've overheard in an ER over the last few years, all of the conversations I've heard in a hospice room, um, all of the conversations uh, that that I've participated in. And it, it is a it is it is really a huge influence if you know how to have those discussions uh, in a way that does at least cushion the fall, so to speak, is the best way I can describe it. Yeah. And because bottom line is when you're at that stage, there's not very many people that can control their emotions to the degree that they can really make everyone feel, you know, it's going to be okay. Right. Everything's going to be okay. Right. It's not going to be this terrible experience. It's not going to be this fall that's going to break everyone. So, yeah. so yeah, it's huge. Well, and newsflash, nobody gets out of this life alive. Yeah. Like, we we are all going <laughs> to die eventually. And if you can be surrounded by empathetic, loving <clears throat> caregivers that can appropriately handle whatever challenges you're facing, whatever level of pain, and also be there to help comfort your family, why wouldn't you choose that option? You know, Sarah, it's so funny you mentioned that because I think the latest data on that is one in one passes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty sure. I mean, I'm pretty that, sure that's that, accurate. That data hasn't changed since the earth cooled. Uh-huh. And and so I was thinking yesterday in the ER, my mom, my mom is a really strong believer. And I don't know how many times she's told me, she said, she's, she's, she's good to go. She, that's mm-hmm. her favorite saying right now is mm-hmm. when there's an issue, she's good to go. <laughs> We're standing there in the ER yesterday after five, five hours. And I had a hard time talking her into getting admitted because she's got yeah. a, an AFib issue now. But, mm-hmm. but I said, well, I said, you've always been telling me that you're good to go. And she said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm good to go, but it ain't going to be in here. <laughs> <laughs> Not today. Okay. Not today. Not yeah. in here. Oh, wow. That's funny. Well, um, Maxie, before we kind of wrap this up, I do have to let the listeners know that Maxie Carpenter is one of the biggest influences that I have personally had in my journey to become a podcast enthusiast. And I absolutely (laughs) love Mondays. And a big reason for that is because every Monday, Maxie puts out a new podcast that I am like a faithful subscriber and listener (laughs) to. And so um, I would like for you to just quickly let the listeners know about your podcasts. You have more than one. Mm-hmm. And um, where they can go if they want to learn more from you. It's definitely not about answers on aging. However, um, <laughs> he has a lot of answers that are really helpful. And I think especially some of our adult children caregivers that tune into the podcast could benefit from a lot of the information that you share. Oh, I appreciate that very much, Sarah. I appreciate you and Todd both for <clears throat> having me on and let me let me put a put a quick spot in on yeah. that. But I have the Leaders Podcast, which is every Monday 
And then I have the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast, which is every Wednesday. And both of those can be found at my website, <clears throat> maxicarpenter.com, and it will take you to the primary uh, platform for the podcast, which is on Podbean. And okay. you can you can subscribe there. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, you know, Sarah, you mentioned that. I was just getting looking at my data. I'm I'm over two thousand downloads Yay. on that leaders podcast. Way to go. But I have people like you to thank for that. Mm-hmm. And because the bottom line is is if you don't provide not just content, but if you don't if you don't provide context, right. you're not gonna be out there very long. Exactly. And I appreciate you you so much because I do try to speak universally and not just specifically. Well, on all all things having to do with leadership. Sure. So. And I have to just say that uh, for a little teaser for your podcast, that um, I, the Leaders podcast that I'm so faithfully subscribed to, um, Maxie was one of the very fortunate individuals whose primary mentor was the Sam Walton yeah. and has years of stories and lessons and takeaways that you can get from listening to that podcast. And I mean, if you're going to get information about how to lead a business, I think doing it from somebody who learned firsthand from the Sam Walton is pretty, pretty solid. Pretty important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, so is there anything else that you think the listeners should know or you want to reiterate about a personal um, perspective on hospice care? You think we've covered it? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I think the last thing I would say is uh, I've always felt I, I've been in a lot of cultural environments in a lot of different countries around this globe. And I have to say this with a little bit of distress is that we're, we're not the best out there at taking care of our elders. Um, and we don't revere and respect our elders as much as some other cultural countries that I've been in. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that's been exaggerated, obviously, by, you know, the onset of COVID and then this unbelievably toxic political environment that we're all having to navigate. Mm-hmm. So I would just encourage everyone that, you know, it's too easy to take our elders for granted. It and certainly is. Uh, and that that's the message I would leave everyone. Just mm-hmm. raise our level of self-awareness and our level of empathy, and uh, and we'll take care of everybody. Awesome. Thank Good you job. so much, Maxie Carpenter. It is always a pleasure, and we will be in touch with you okay. very soon, I'm sure. Hey, have a great one, and I'm going to have you all on my podcast here pretty quick. All right. Cool. Sounds Thanks. good. All Thanks. right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Answers on Aging podcast with Todd and Sarah. Be sure to hit the subscribe and keep tuning in each week as they bring you helpful, useful, and easy-to-find resources for making life as we age as simple and enjoyable as possible. For more information about today's episode, go to AnswersOnAgingPodcast.com. Click on the show notes tab and take advantage of the free resources right there. 
there at your fingertips. To see Todd and Sarah live, tune in to the Facebook page, Senior Services NWA, to catch their weekly live radio program every Wednesday morning. Todd and Sarah welcome feedback and love to answer your questions. So please let them know what you think by leaving a review and share with your friends and family.